Ladies and gentlemen, we are live, on point, and in studio. You are listening to the Sports On Point podcast for September 13th, 2010. I am your host, Matthew Smith. And I'm John Zavarelli. And I'm the Flying Turtle, Bob Severance. Let's get started. The Flying Turtle. Yeah, it's a YouTube video. Check it out. Will do. On to This Week in Sports. This is the section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week. And our hosts give a short comment on each of the topics. Starting off with Monday, Darrell Rivas rejoins New York Jets after agreeing to a new deal. ESPN New York. Matt? Well, I think it was only a matter of time before Rivas was going to sign because these players aren't smart enough with their money to go a whole season without a paycheck. Let's face it. They're just not smart enough with their money. Rivas Island is back and the New York Jets Super Bowl aspirations may be back on track. On Tuesday, the cops were called on NBA star Dwight Howard over a baby dispute. John? Some baby mama drama, and I don't even want to comment any further on this. Yeah, this is kind of a silly story, but if he wants to pick up his kid from daycare, pick up, let him pick up his kid from daycare. And on Wednesday, University of Georgia's A.J. Green receives a four-game ban. Matt? Well, he's, he sold a game-worn jersey to someone who turns out to be an agent. I think this is kind of a pretty bad lapse in judgment by a young man who uh, probably would think twice if he had it to do all over again. I mean, does Georgia really think they're going to win this appeal? They're cracking down this year on agents, so I can answer the question for you right now. Appeal denied. On Thursday, Tom Brady agrees to a four-year extension with the Patriots. It's about time. I was starting to get a little worried for Tom Brady. I thought he might tear his ACL in the first game and not have that contract to fall back on and knowing the Patriots they might not give him another contract well yeah this made him the top paid quarterback in the NFL at least for this week Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Peyton Manning will be the top paid quarterback before too long on Friday NFL players united in reaction to pregame salute Matt yeah a nice little demonstration by the NFL players showing solidarity and basically sending a message to the owner saying they're ready to lock out. I think, again, going back to what we talked about with Darrell Rivas, these players, when they start missing paychecks, they'll change their tune. The The demands from the Players Association will go down, and the owners will win like they always do. I'm kind of glad they're showing solidarity. It just makes me want to get in shape and cross the, cross the line and, and be a replacement player next year. On Saturday, San Francisco 49ers make Vernon Davis the richest tight end in NFL history. John? Well, he had a real big year last year, but I don't think one year deserves that much money. Knowing the NFL and how they pay players who haven't even played a game, I mean, it's logical. It happens. I don't think he should be paid that much, though. It's absolutely unbelievable after one solid 13-touchdown season where he didn't even break 1,000 yards rushing that he becomes the top-paid tight end in the league. Isn't this the same guy that we can't play with, can't win with, not going to let him on the field? Isn't this the same guy? It is. That'd be he. And rounding the week off on Sunday, Logan Mankins, New England Patriots deal dead over apology. This from ESPN Boston. Now. Kind of an interesting story. He had made some disparaging remarks about the organization, apologized in private to the Patriots owner. But in the negotiations for the new deal, the Patriots said it required a public apology, and he's refusing to do it. I guess a way to stick to your guns, but again, when he starts missing paychecks, he'll be back. 
but now that it's leaked and they know that he wouldn't apologize, how how good is an apology going to do? You know, I mean, he apologized to the owner. That I think that's good enough. And now on to our to the point section. This is an open format chat that'll hit the main points in sports this week, but will allow for a little bit more flexibility and opinion. So let's get started. A lot of things happened this week. Yeah, we're going to kind of step off the football topic at first because uh, the United States of America came home, uh, is coming home from Turkey with a FIBA World Championship. A lot of people didn't see this coming. John, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder represented well. They were, and I love it. They're, they're going to win the title. They're going to bring home the NBA title. Kevin Durant led the B team to the championship, and I'm, I'm proud of those guys. And Westbrook was the man yeah i think a lot of the focus and the coverage of this world championship has been on this team could beat the united states this team could beat him this team can beat him all the focus was on who wasn't on the team and let's face it even when we don't have our best players we're still better than every other country i agree i mean teams have gotten better late i mean over the over the years but this team just kind of I mean, they had a few close games. They didn't play to their best in all the games, but they're still the best out there. There's no one better. The disadvantage that we've always had is because we're not familiar with the nuances of international play, whereas most of the guys on these other rosters, on these other squads, play in Euro leagues. They're used to the international style of play, and we come in there and we expect it to be like the NBA. But I think style of play, it's, it's important to know. But when you're still putting the best players out there, you have to think about the fact that Teams that are considered contenders, like Spain, for example, their best players are B-listers in the NBA. Like, way below the the level of competition than our quote-unquote B-team that we sent. I got a question, though. What's that? What's up with these international rules? Didn't we invent basketball? Shouldn't be, be it be played like it was invented instead of... Uh, international rules shouldn't it be played but played by america's rules I, I don't know there's some there's some rules that are kind of fun i think i i the trapezoid free throw line thing is weird to me i don't really understand that the three-point line being a little bit closer in i think kind of cheapens the three-point shot a little bit but the one rule that i that they do have that i like is um they do good things with the shot clock like when there's a shot clock violation they chuck a shot up at the end but it's not it's not in time. They let the play continue to go. So the team who gets the rebound, assuming it's not the offensive team getting the getting the offensive rebound, they get to run up the court and get to keep that fast break that they might have had or lost in the NBA. That's a good one. I think it's kind of fun that uh, they'll allow players to take the ball off the rim, uh, and it's not considered goaltending after the initial uh, initial contact. But uh, yeah, for the most part, those are those are tweak rules. The, the other stuff we can we could do without, and again, it's our sport. Give us our rules. And I mean, another thing, why don't we just make up our own rules for soccer and then call those international rules and see if those can get adopted? Well, to be fair, every other country calls it football, and our football's totally different. This is true. Speaking of which, big weekend in college football this year, or this week, <laughs> this year. Uh, Boise State's BCS championship hopes took a huge hit with a game that they didn't even have any say in. Uh, 
James Madison University knocking off the number 13 Virginia Tech Hokies. I think they did it on purpose. Really? No, but I can't believe they lost. How do you lose at home to this? What? First of all, I'm surprised we haven't heard any calling for Frank Beamer's job. I know that the Virginia Tech football program is Frank Beamer's program. They were nothing before him, and it's, I guess, presumed that there'll be nothing after him. But this is a top-tier program. They have money to throw around. They should bring in a new coach. Because, I mean, if you look at the last couple of years, they've been destroyed by Alabama and LSU in the last two seasons. Two years ago, they lost to Coastal Carolina. or I'm sorry, East Carolina, Carolina. the Pirates. Um, This is just a team that they haven't been in uh, contention for anything. It, It was assumed that when the ACC became a super conference that Virginia Tech would add to the competition in the conference, and really they just became... Also, Rands. I think it. Some of it has to do with the conference in general. I mean, the conference has been down for a few years. They did actually get the automatic bid a few years ago, and then lost to can. I think it was Kansas in the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. I forget which one it was, but how can you lose to that team? I mean, you're a top tier program. I mean, that's. I mean, I guess it's. It's no more surprising than Michigan losing to Appalachian State, but I don't. I just don't understand how you can be that. You were pretty hyped during the the preseason, and then just dropped two two games in a row. Which one was a real good game? But this one, I just don't understand. How could you not be hyped after that loss? And with such sweet uniforms too. I liked them. They were so. They were the. They had the home. Uh, or the the whites this week they had the they played with the black jerseys last week, but uh, such such awesome jerseys like they should represent them a little bit better. I know what happened. What's that? Instead of practicing, they were uh, making the new uniforms and they forgot that they had to play football games. They were hanging out with the fashion design students. Yep, gotcha. Uh, West Virginia and Marshall, the interstate ri- or intrastate rivalry. Uh, Turned out to be a lot better this year than years past. This is the same Marshall team that just lost 45-7 to to Ohio State last year, and West Virginia had to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion in the closing seconds to take it to overtime, where they were able to win by a field goal. Did you catch any of the game, John? This I did not watch the game. Uh, I turned it on. I saw West Virginia versus Marshall, and I turned it off because Marshall got trounced. And then I did see the highlights, and I was pretty amazed that West Virginia pretty much put in a stinker. Yeah, I was actually on an airplane for most of the game. I actually landed and joined a huddle of people standing around a television set at the airport. I was actually kind of surprised in Ohio that that many people cared. But at the time, it was two minutes left, and Marshall was looking like they were going to pull it off. But uh, alas, not to be. West Virginia pulled it out. I think their coach needs fired, too. Ever West since, Virginia's? Yeah, ever since... Uh, Rich Rodriguez left. They just been on a downward spiral. Well, they had their huge rally for the bowl victory. Rich Rodriguez left, and they came in and won a big bowl game. So they rewarded him with a contract. I have no problem with them giving the contract, but you got to keep it. You got to work to earn it. And uh, in this day and age, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he shouldn't be their head coach. But 
I don't know. He's only been there three years. He hasn't. He doesn't really have his players in there yet. So I, I'm okay with giving him a couple more years. I mean, before the Rich Rodriguez area, I mean, this is a normal ranking for West Virginia, number top 25 team with a good season here and there. But I think Rich Rodriguez kind of up the expectations because West Virginia, while I was there, was a top 10 team every year. I mean, you got to continue the ascension up instead of trying to rebuild. Instead of flaming out. Yeah. Well, what you see it happen, though. You see when a coach leaves, they, they go down the drain and they have to be rebuilt back up. Honestly, I think there's a I think there's only a handful of coaches who can come in to a team that plays that style and win right away. I think there's only a handful of them out there. He was put into a situation where he was forced to play Rich Rodriguez's style because that was the roster, that was what they had. I don't necessarily know that that's what he would do if he had a blank slate. He did he did leave him with Pat White. And they still have uh, Noel Devine. Noel Devine, who should run for five thousand yards because he runs a four one forty. Well, that's what I keep hearing. But speed isn't everything in football. It uh, if you can get away from people, then you get further away from them. But if you can't juke and make the moves at the line of scrimmage i'm not saying noel divine can't but just because he runs a high speed doesn't mean that uh he's a superstar but yeah i totally agree they should they should run up and down and all over i think that there's a little it's a new rivalry they've only been playing each other annually for about five years now but I think the fact that West Virginia has dominated the rivalry ever since its inception has left Marshall with a bit of their chip on their shoulder, and I think they, uh, I think they really came to play. And I think uh, West Virginia better not look as that a, look at that as a bye week from here on out. I agree. Now, some of the big games didn't end up being quite as competitive as we thought. Uh, of course, Oklahoma, Florida State. Uh, Landry Jones looked a lot better than he did last week. Florida State didn't even look like they belonged on the field with him. Big shocker there after they came out last week and looked so solid against, okay, against Sanford. But still, they were uh, they were looking tough. Yeah, Oklahoma, they, uh, they really impressed me last week, and I'm kind of more worried about the Texas game because Texas has been starting off slow the last two weeks. So, But Oklahoma looks good, and they got a good running back, and this this quarterback, he's starting to come into his own now. I mean, he got a full season last year to uh, get some experience, and now he's he's looking pretty good. Now, apparently, Alabama and Penn State have a rich tradition and have had some classic matchups. This week was definitely not classic. Pretty much a drubbing from the get-go. Final score, what, 24-3? to 3? Yeah. And that was just because Saban took his foot off the gas. I really think if he'd have played high intensity the whole game, we would have been talking about a much bigger blowout. I will give props to Saban because if he took his foot off the gas, he's not the he's not the coach that you consider the consummate good sport. So if he took his foot off the gas, it's because he has some respect for Penn State's tradition and Joe Paterno as a coach. But all in all, I wasn't surprised about the outcome of that game, and I don't think you were either. I wasn't. I, I kind of compare it to it's like when you're a teenager – and you get in a squabble with your father, you can kind of hold your own. Your father could still whoop you. And then you get older, and basically 
you get into your 40s or 50s and your dad's like 80. So basically, this is what I compare it to. Yeah, Alabama and Penn State had a rich rivalry back in the day when Joe Pa was like in his 50s. But now he's almost, I think he is 80. He's over he's 80. Over 80. Yep. So it's, it's, it's like that. I mean, anybody can beat an old man. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but that's what I kind of thought of just now. <laughs> I will say, I will say, over the years, I have not had a whole lot of respect for Nick Saban as an individual, as a football coach, second to none. Incredible football coach, especially in the defense he runs, the way he gets players ready to go pro. Uh, you know, the the way that he. The way, the way he's helped students out with scouts and makes sure that he gives all the scouts the right information so that uh, gives his players the best chance of getting that NFL paycheck. The thing is, is he's just he's just done so much backstabbing and, and he's been involved in so much double talk and you can never trust a word he says. That eh, what, what can I say? I'm human. That bothers me. But in this case, I think he showed a little bit of class, and I'll give him some. Uh, I'll give him some credit. When when Pete Carroll was going up against Penn State in the Rose Bowl, they're destroying him in similar fashion to what Alabama's doing, and their guys are over dancing on the sidelines and stepping out in the field and and acting all cocky and bravado as if as if they've you know just beat an NFL team. So I, I, I give him credit. At least uh, at least he showed a lot more class than Pete Carroll did in the same situation. What goes around comes around, though, as Pete Carroll saw when uh, Stanford kind of ran up the score on him last year. True. But uh, I hate Nick Saban. I'll never like him. He ran up the score in the national championship game last year. And plus the double talk that you spoke of, I have no respect for anyone that does that. So I don't like Nick Saban. Can't blame you there. Oregon continued their tear this week with a 48-13 demolishing of the Tennessee Volunteers. This team's for real, aren't they? I think so. I mean, they got like a million running backs. They they pretty much produce running backs like it's water. Yeah, I believe uh, the running back. Let me let me check to see this stats real quick here. But uh, the running back last ye- last week. Uh, Kenyon Barner had seven carries for 26 yards after that monster week he had last week. Uh, and and Michael James, of course, 16 carries for 134 yards and a touchdown. This is a this is a team that doesn't care where they get their offense from. They're going to get it either way. Yeah, they, they look strong, impressive. They start off a little slow against uh, Tennessee, but I think it's going to be a – I think they're going to be tough. I think they might take the Pac-10 this year. I, I – would actually be surprised if they don't at this point. I think they've made a case for themselves to move up in the polls a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised after uh, after a couple of weeks if they keep it up. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take over that number three spot and bump uh, Boise State down, which is ironic considering Boise State beat them just last year. I think they should play. I think they should have basically what should happen is they should just have – to. TBAs during the season and then just match up against that team on Saturday. It should be like an ongoing tournament. That'd be kind of an interesting scenario, although it'd be a scheduling nightmare. Yes, very, very much so. I mean, there's a, there's a big reason why the, uh, why the only games that really 
are questionable as far as who the teams are going to be are either regional games in the form of the conference championships or their bowl games where they have three weeks minimum to prepare for it. So I, I just don't think that uh, anybody really wants to do that scramble to get those games together and figure out the schedule on the road. Interesting thought, though. I won't deny that. Interesting thought. Notre Dame-Michigan was classic. Of course, Chris throwing a 95-yard touchdown pass with three minutes left in the game. Am, am I the only one when I watch these games and I see these touchdowns with three minutes left, I automatically assume that that team is going to lose? It's kind of like wrestling. I think because you were a wrestling fan for the longest period of time and you're trained. Usually the week before a pay-per-view event, the guy that get be- gets beat up usually wins. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I hate to bring wrestling into this because that's fake. But, yeah, I mean, it's every game It's you see the team go ahead and there's time on the clock. And in college, in the pros you don't see it as much, but in college it's like – it's so dramatic and it's fun. I love it. So where does Shoelace Denard Robinson fit in on your Heisman vote if you were to vote today? If you had a vote, if anybody cared what you thought? I'd say probably number one. I mean, you can't really make any uh, arguments over over 900 yards of total offense in two games against two, games. two teams that aren't slouches. Yeah, not, not top-tier games, but they're not definitely playing Samford. They're not playing James Madison. They're not playing North Dakota State. So, yeah, it's it's definitely impressive what he's been able to do. I worry about Michigan if they find a team that is able to figure him out. If he could get a, you know, a, a spy that can actually keep up with him, I think that's been a problem. I think Notre Dame was spying him the whole game. They just didn't have anybody who could keep up with his foot speed. You, you find a team that can keep up with his foot speed, put him on as there as a spy, and uh, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble because I haven't seen anything in that offense develop outside of the Denard Robinson show. That's true, but I think as the year goes on, they're going to get stronger and stronger. I think they they keep playing like the way they are. They have a legit shot at beating Ohio State. I don't think they will, but they have a legit shot. Well, the one thing that Ohio State has going for them is they have a quarterback who can match the speed and athleticism of Denard Robinson. So the scout teams have a realistic uh, practice where they can go out there and they can simulate what Michigan's offense does. I think that helps them out. I think Ohio State, if you look over the past couple of years, has done a lot to recruit for speed ever since the demoralizing losses to LSU and Florida. I think if you go down the recruiting classes, they've definitely made a larger focus on getting speed on their roster. And I think they have the guys who can keep up with them. And uh, again, like I said, they could simulate the offense in their with their scout team. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think we saw a very impressive Ohio State team uh, this week. And if that's the defense that we see and they can – they could put a spy on him that can keep up with him. I don't necessarily think that Michigan stands much of a chance. We'll see. Yes. Anyways, you had you had Miami winning against Ohio State this week. Defend yourself. I think they need to fire Randy Shannon. I think Miami just needs to recruit coaches that what is that his name? Randy Travis, Travis Tritt. I don't know his name. He sucks. I mean, this is not the U. This is like a, a watered-down version of the U. He needs to bring in players that take money, do steroids, 
stay out loud, stay out late, party, have fun. I want to see the old you back. I don't care. You're going to have him smoking from bongs in the locker room before the game, coming out relaxed and ready to play. You know, I don't care because that's the Miami mystique. They... They need to go back to that. I don't care if you have to rebuild them every 10 years. That's fine with me. I don't want a legit program. I want the NCAA to come up with rules against Miami. That's the, the Miami swagger, and I want that back. And this coach does not bring it. He's like a wholesome coach, like Jim Tressel, and I don't like it. Wow. All right. So, so what you're looking for is you want um, two live crew – Doing their pregame hype up sessions. You got you want the DJs in there spinning with the booty girls, and you want to bring back the whole uh, '90s mystique. Yeah, I want the fatigues, the everything. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna be hot stepping out of the line or out of the locker room. I, I want I want Vinny Testaverde. I want him running up tunnels. I yeah, because nothing's more gangster than Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> I just want the old you back. You want the old you back. Now, I think that I think that uh, Ja'Cory Harris is going to get a bad rap after this game because of the four interceptions. A little bit unfair. There was three interceptions there that he really had no culpability for. Two plays where his receiver just left him out to dry. Another player where just an absolutely exceptional defensive play. But... When you flip the coin, okay, let's say he doesn't have those three unlucky plays where he's his stat line gets uh, takes a significant dive because of what other players are doing. He still did not produce enough offense to score a single touchdown. The only touchdowns that actually anybody has scored against Ohio State this year have been on the special teams side of thing side of things. So if if you were to look at it and say that. Miami really had a chance in that game if it wasn't for, uh, you know, some freak plays that cost uh, cost them some turnovers. You'd have to look at the special teams touchdowns the same way. They did score a touchdown late, didn't they? Or was that a special team touchdown? They scored 17 points, two special team touchdowns. They had 24. Ohio State won 36-24. Fair enough. Apparently I turned off the game too soon. Yeah, what's up with that? You got to watch that. I was asleep. I turned off the game too. I'll admit it, but I caught the highlights. <laughs> I think that one red zone pick would have made it closer, though, and the game would have been maybe a little different. Maybe a little bit different, but you, you can't you can't take those out of there. They were part of the game, just the way the two special teams touchdowns were. Well, yeah, that's why Ohio State won. Exactly. And I think if you were to stack these teams up again, I'm not sure the result is all that different. I'm sure it would come by different means, but I I think there was no question that Ohio State was a better team on the field. Well, and this takes me back to my whole thing. You know how I used to be a big advocate of firing Ron Zook? Yep. Now I'm a big advocate of firing Travis Tritt. I mean, Randy Shannon or whatever his name is. Travis Tritt. Okay. Uh, Except... When he took over the team, they were in a lot worse shape than they are today. Well, he's supposed he, they weren't on they didn't have any sanctions against him. That's true. You can bring those sanctions back. If that's what brings backs to you. Yeah, 
No, they they got to put a what is it? What do they say? You got to put a lid on the state of Florida. Yeah, they're letting those players get out. They are, or they're going to Florida. Yeah, they're going all over the place. There's a whole lot of talent in Florida, and for some reason, only about fifty percent of it's playing for Florida schools. There's a lot of Florida kids playing even at Ohio State, Michigan, uh, even a lot of the Northern Big Ten. Even keeping in the county, just Dade, Dade County. Dade County produces some some good football players, a lot of speed. and I don't know. I think what happens is these kids get so used to practicing in 105 degrees in August with 95% humidity that they want to get the hell out of Dodge. And uh, that's why they go to teams where they get to play in at least moderate weather. I don't think that plays any part in it. You, you don't think, think it does? No. Weather? You ever practice in 105 degrees and 95% humidity? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? All the time. All the time. Because we get that here in Ohio every day. I practice chess in that that weather all the time. So NFL week one this week kicked off with a bang. The Vikings and the Saints on Thursday night. I don't think anybody was really all that surprised that the Saints won this game. I think a lot of people were surprised by the low-scoring nature of the game. I kind of had a 34-24 to total in my head, but uh, we didn't see anything near that. I think his first game jitters. I wasn't expecting that low a score, but I'll chalk it up to it just being the first game of the year and not everybody's on the same page yet. Agreed. I thought Brett Favre looked a little rusty. He's old. Yeah, to say the least. Now, to be fair, he did not look good in the season opener last year, but it was against the Browns last year, so totally different animal. He was trying to give the... uh... Browns fans hope of beating the Vikings and I don't know. He I just think he's going to have a bad year. I think that's that's as good as he's going to look. My feeling about Favre is I don't care if he has a good year, I don't care if he has a bad year. It's just whatever it is that needs to happen for him to decide to retire for good. I just want that thing to happen. If that means they go 8-8, eight and eight, miss the playoffs, and Brett Favre says, I don't have it anymore, I've got to retire, then great. That's what needs to happen. If they have to go 15-1, and one, win the Super Bowl, and then Brett Favre can retire on top, then I want that to happen. Just whatever it takes, get him out of the league. If they don't go all the way, I think it's going to take him being carted off in a wheelchair. I mean, he's going to have to be disabled for life because... He's going to keep coming back thinking that he can play. And, you know, coming out and getting a starting job in the NFL, they're basically saying, yeah, you can still play. Yeah. Well, a terrible Brett Favre is still better than a on-game for Derek Anderson. Or Joey Harrington. That's true. <laughs> or Sage, Sage Rosenfels or Tavares Jackson. DA made the Pro Bowl. Leave him alone. Uh, With the Browns. A Browns quarterback made the Pro Bowl. He threw a touchdown pass today. Yeah, he did. Helps when you have Larry Fitzgerald catching it, but uh, also took him like 42 minutes to do it. Against the Rams. Yeah. Which I was a little bit surprised by the Rams today. They looked a lot better than I thought they were going to look. Sam Bradford. I made my bold prediction a few weeks back that drafting Sam Bradford was going to set the Rams back three years minimum. And uh, one game of work, so I'm not ready to abandon that opinion yet. But uh, 
definitely don't feel as strong about it as I did. He, he could look pretty good. I'll give him some credit. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of work to do, but he's a rookie, so I think he turned in a respectable performance, although this is the same team that gave up about 45 points in the first round of the playoffs last year. So True. The, but I like Sam Bradford. The Patriots absolutely took your Bengals to the woodshed today. We fought back. We almost came back. At one point, we were only down 21 points, or 14. We only lost by 14. We it's because they took their foot off their neck. No, the Patriots don't do that. You should know better. Yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah. I was I was very impressed with the Bengals' offense because last year the Bengals' offense just kind of sucked. Well, their defense the, didn't impress me. But I, I, The thing is, you can't get that far behind. If If... If they play the first half with any near the intensity they played the second half, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. It would have been at least a close game. I don't think a what 10-point loss is a close game. 14. They lost by 14. It, fair enough. They lost by 14. It's not a close loss. They made a comeback. They made it so it wasn't a blowout, but you still lost by 14. You and I obviously disagree completely on the potential for the Bengals this year. Uh, so far, I think... Uh, They're going to run run off 12 games in a row now. <laughs> right. You'll see. I will see. Notice he didn't say in the win column. He just said they're going to run off 12 games. Yes, because after that, they're going to be so disappointed with themselves, they're just going to stop playing them. Get yes. your popcorn ready. My popcorn was ready today. It's still kind of sitting. The bag's still in the microwave. I didn't even hit start because it wasn't... We got the glimpses glimpses of the next Wes Welker. Jordan Shipley. The next Wes Welker. Yes, sir. Now, you do, of course, realize that Wes Welker has been in the league for like eight years, and he's actually had two good seasons. Three. Three? Yeah. He came over to the – this will be his third well, – no. This will, yeah, this will be his third one. This will be his third one. Actually, three. He had 2007, 2008, and 2009. Because he came over the same year as Moss came over. The year they went 16-0. and Okay, you're right. So, three years. Anyways, still less than half his career. Yeah, but now he he's... One of the best. He's also got Peyton Manning throwing the ball. He runs in a position. He runs in an offense where he's got Tom Brady. <laughs> My God, I'm off today. He's got Tom Brady throwing the ball. They run in a spread offense, which works towards the slot receiver a lot better than any offensive schemes that the Bengals run. He's going to be in the next Wes Welker. Okay. And he's going to watch. He's going to get 100. He had five receptions today. He's going to start getting 10 a game. Because he got five today, that means he's going to get start getting 10? Yeah. Okay. He's a rookie. Leave him so does alone. That mean, so does that mean that uh, <laughs> does that mean that Arian Foster is now going to have 400 yards in a game because well he got 200 today? I don't understand the logic there. The logic is he's the next Wes Welker. <laughs> That's okay. And he plays exactly. He's like the same mold, same type of player as Wes Welker, and they'll start utilizing him because his name's Jordan Shipley. Why is Wes Welker the unique name that you throw out there? Is it because he's the only one who's been successful playing that style of receiver? Because he reminds me of him. Okay, but again, he's the only one who's been successful playing that style of receiver. There's, there's been others. Jerry Rice. 
Jerry Rice and Wes Walker were mere images of each other. They were both possession. You're dead on. They, You're were spot both, on. they were both possession receivers. <laughs> oh, moving on. John Taylor. <laughs> moving on. Alvin Pittsburgh. Harper. Pittsburgh wins one in typical Steeler fashion today. Just enough to make all the Northeastern Ohioers bite their towels and clench their fists. And Not all Northeastern Ohioers. You got to drive towards East Liverpool area, man. That's like Steeler country over there. Youngstown, yeah. You got you ever drove over there? Everybody's got their car on blocks. <laughs> it's fun. Bob's over here disparaging a whole town of people. We can't we can't stand for that. Let's move on. <laughs> if you like if you like the Steelers, I'm sorry. I I'm a Browns fan, true and true. So buttholes. Yeah, they're they're true and true. That doesn't even make sense. True and true, true and true. Through and through. True, tried and true. See, I mix my metaphors. I'm a dumb Browns fan, apparently. <laughs> I have to say, I'm a big part of me is glad I'm not a Steelers fan because the way that they win football games would drive me nuts. They're all nail biters. Every one of them. And they win by flukes. Don't get me wrong. Troy Palomalu intercepted a pass. He made a great read on the pass. Uh, you know, uh, beat, the, beat the ball to the spot. And that's what you got to do in that position. But the amount of games that they win just on sheer fluke defensive plays, uh, secondary players being able to pick a ball off, fumbles being forced, you know, 100-yard fumble returns in the Super Bowl right before halftime. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily fluky. I kind of look at the Steelers for whatever reason. I hate them, but it seems like they – the Steelers don't lose their focus, and they believe that there's always a chance to win. No, I, I agree with that completely, 100%. But the key point the key point in what you say there is they don't lose their focus. Right. So they had that focus the whole time. Right. Then why wasn't there a turnover every play? Well, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like they're, you know how cats, you know, got to play with their food, you know. I think that they're better than they let on, but they have to, like, have a game because... The type of players that they have have to... They play down to their opponent's level. I think that they do. I, I, I agree. I think, they, I think they play down to their opponents. I actually... This is this is blasphemy or whatever. I actually think that Mike Tomlin is not a great football coach. I actually don't even think he's that good. I think that he has a team that plays with an incredible amount of intensity, and he does a good job of maintaining that intensity, but he doesn't do a good job of bringing the team to their full potential right. at kickoff. Right. It's only at the end of the games. But he wears some kicking sunglasses. He does wear some kicking sunglasses. And he chews his gum like a champ. He's almost like Cower in that regard. Chews gum like a champ. Yeah. They have championships for that. Do they? Yeah. The gum chewing championships? It's the F-I-G-C-A. It's the FIGA. The FIGA? Yeah. The Federal International Gum Association. Chewing Association. Gum chewing. The FIGA. FIGA. The tournament's coming next month. And there's it. Where's that at? If we thought if we thought about actually having a gun a gum chewing competition, I wouldn't chew guns. And we were the ones who invented it. In 20 years from now, there would be international rules. rules. Yeah, there would be be completely different than the way we do it. Yes, but it doesn't matter because you would be disqualified automatically because the first requirement is you have to do it and walk at the same time. The, Screw you. <laughs> the Association Internationale says that the gum must be chewed on the left side of the mouth. 
and you must spit with only the right side of the mouth. Speaking of spit, watching the Bears and Lions game, <laughs> the, the finish of this game made me want to spit. See, this is the tie-in. You are just doing really well with your <laughs> with your lead-ins to the next topic today. I like it. Did I don't know if you guys? I don't know if anybody listening at home saw the game. There was a there was a play. Calvin Johnson had a reception in the end zone to win the game against the Bears today, and they called it back saying it was incomplete because he made a one-handed catch, came to the ground. After he was on the ground, he lost the ball. And they took the catch away from him because he didn't secure it with two hands. If you're watching the play, there's no way he secures that ball with two two hands. So you're going to take away an incredible athletic performance, an incredible specimen-type play because of some technicality. It's retarded. He didn't. He didn't. He lost the ball when it hit the ground. Yeah, you got to have it all the way through the play. If you fall down, you got to hold on to it. In the end zone, I mean, yeah, that, well, I know that that's the rule. Place that it is like that. But here's the thing: he controls it, and he makes a turn. So he gets the ball; he's got it in his hand. He controls it enough to make a turn to go the other direction, and then he goes down. The ball hits the ground and pops out. You're, you, the thing is, is you change, you change the outcome of a game with that call, and a player who makes a spectacular play. Is is punished? I don't agree with it. Well, I picked the Bears to go eleven and five, so I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> well, you better hope they get a lot of calls like that throughout the rest of the season, because that's what it's going to take for them to win that many games. Maybe this is off topic, but it seems to me like there's inconsistency. If you're running the ball into the end zone, all you got to do is break the plane. They can lose the ball as soon as they break the plane. And yet, if you're catching it, even if you're in the rear of the end zone, you're you know you're ten yards back. The the key difference is when you're running the ball, you have possession before you get into the end zone. And the same goes with a pass catch. If you catch it before you get into the end zone, all you have to do is break the plane. Right. You've already established possession, and that's the difference. In this case, he's already in the end zone trying to establish possession. So if 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 we're going on the same logic, then all he would have to do is just touch the ball in the end zone, and it's a touchdown. But Obviously, that's an extreme, extreme case. I just if this if this catch would have been anywhere else on the field, would it have counted? Yes, it's not in the end zone. So, if it's good enough for a fifty-yard gain that puts him on the two-yard line, why isn't it good enough for a score? That's what it says in the rule book. I don't make the rules, but that's what in the rule book. Well, the rules need changed. It's funny, you're you're like touting the rule book now and then like for Miami it's like we just gotta totally throw out the rules and they just gotta <laughs> they just gotta be like smoking the bong and <laughs> I didn't say that. That's what Matt put words in my mouth. Okay. But but that be that's because that's the Miami swagger. That's what they're about. Okay. <laughs> you're just, just just so I get this straight, you're you're one of those guys that rules where it's convenient. That's good. Exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh. Okay, so the the uh, the Texans took uh, I, I don't want to say they took a beating to the Colts, but uh, they they beat them in convincing fashion. They looked solid. They did the thing that nobody thought they could do, and that was they ran the ball consistently and effectively. I was a little bit surprised to see 
the fact that they went out and played such a solid all-around performance against the Indianapolis Colts. And Matt Schaub didn't have an amazing game. Andre Johnson, he was Andre Johnson. He didn't have a bad game. But it was all about Arian Foster running the ball like his pants were on fire. That's the Colts Achilles heel. Heel. Heely. So, yeah, that, it's been the Achilles heel of the Colts defense, but it's also been the Achilles heel of the Texans offense. They've always been one, denom- one denomination, one dimensional, and uh, it, it really hasn't, uh, hasn't been the case today. Well, I guess we found out today who has the stronger Achilles heel. <laughs> well, we apologize for the audio the past several minutes. It appears that during the editing process, we lost John and Matt's tracks. At this point, they talked a little bit more about um, the rivalry or newly established rivalry between Indianapolis and Houston. So let's continue off where they're taking a look at the webpage and talking about their fantasy sports teams. Which, by the way, yours truly's team, Bobby's Brawlers, did deliver a handy beating to um, Matt Smith's team, the Irresistible Maple Bars. And I don't know anything about fantasy football. It was a fluke. Let's get back to the show. So we're looking at the Sports on Point Fantasy Football League, and my team is the Irresistible Maple Bars, and we are the paper champions of this league. I declared it before the uh, week one start. Tell you what, though, the Bob- Bobby's Brawlers is coming up pretty quick, and I got Romo going right now. So. Well, that's the problem, is my team is the paper champions, and the game was not played on paper. Yes, the game is played on, on the computer, field. On the internet. On the computer, <laughs> yes. Games played on the internet. So I'll tell you uh, what, though, we would pretty much beat anybody. Our scores so far would beat anybody else in the league so far. That's true. That's true. We had the marquee matchup, and I'm going to be. It looks like I'm going to be on the downside of it with Bobby only trailing me by three points with three players yet to play. Yeah, and I still got Jets defense tomorrow. So, oh wow, Ravens are going to tear them up. Wow, that's all right. I also have uh, Rice tomorrow. With the Ravens. <laughs> so you're screwed. They're going to pass. <laughs> They're not going to run. They're going to be pass happy. Ray Ray's never catches any. Yeah, you know the uh, the, the smack no, talk. Willis McGahee's going to get all the catches. The, the smack talk for uh, our fantasy league never really uh, caught on like we were hoping. No. there's There was uh, there was a little bit. My uh, uh, the, the... Who is it? The Senators and the BFC Crushers, I believe, had a little trash talking. That game looks like it's pretty much locked up with the Senators up by 17 points. I think the uh, the the Browns Bombers. Um, you know, why is it weird to me that the name the Senators just conjures fear more than any other? Actually, the Senators and the Irresistible Maple Bars are like two of the names that conjure fear in me. I don't know why. It's maybe says something about my personality. But. Well, that's because when there's irresistible maple bars in the room, somebody's getting arrested. That's right. And the senators are going to... They're always corrupt. ...pass laws that make it even more <coughs> tempting to... Right. Whatever. Steal maple bars. I don't know if the uh, Browns bombers, I, I think that they're... Well, in vengeance... Our team might come in last place. The Browns Bombers. I well, we get we just gotta get anybody John to respond to our. There's <laughs> there's precedence for that. 
there's precedence for the Browns Bombers finishing last place. And in fact, um, the the uh, manager of the Browns Bombers was giving me some grief this week because I made fun of him for picking Browns players uh, on the live feed for the draft. There's got to be something to be said for consistency. I think he's consistently done that when he's part of our leagues. He has. He has. I'm playing um, the Browns be... Bombers. I am. I'm... You're, you're playing the Browns Bombers. I'm retiring. It's my last show. <laughs> Can't. I don't want to play the Browns Bombers. Well, you're not doing bad. You almost got to get over a 20-point got a 22-point lead. If he comes back and beats me, I'll definitely retire. He actually has a lot of players that haven't gone yet. Well, I'll definitely retire if he comes back and beats me. You know what? I think you should just retire anyways. Yeah. In fact, I don't want you coming over to my house anymore. Screw you guys. You drink my beer. The podcast. You you corrupt my children. Beep. I was trying to show them the ways of the force. Yes, in 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 uh, in all seriousness, folks, this is going to be the last podcast for our insufferable host, John Zavarelli. The last official co-hosting podcast, right? He'll be back. Yeah, I'm sure I'll make some drive-bys. Moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say that. School. That's <laughs> so much better. It's bigger. It's definitely bigger. Schools are big. Schools are big. Yeah, they charge, they're, they they're charge a lot of money. Yeah, well, we don't charge you anything to be here. But yeah, I, it's free. I, I still, I, I understand the decision, and if you want to ruin your life in that fashion, with all that student loan debt. With all that education and learning. <laughs> that knowledge. You're going to get you some knowledge about topics. <laughs> You going to learn you some grammar. 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 So the Sports on Point family will be welcoming in a new host who hopefully is much better than John. <laughs> I know, because I do you hear the stories I told tonight? I know. The Miami Hurricane story? I mean that will live in infamy. That is unacceptable I, on our show. In fact, I do if like you to... weren't leaving voluntarily, I'd have to kick you off just for that story. I do agree, though, that Vinny Testaverde is a pimp. <laughs> Vinny Testaverde is a pimp. I mean, Miami Hurricanes is like an organized crime, so they need the head of it, and that was Vinny Testaverde, and he had his, his little, the basically the rings of the organization underneath it. I don't know if anybody really recalls this, because it wasn't such a high-profile gig, but Vinny Testaverde was Brett Favre way before Brett Favre was. He was doing this, I'm not going to retire, oh, I'm going to retire, I'm not going to retire thing, long before Favre ever did. In fact, I think he started a game at like 43 45. Isn't he still in the 45. league? He played a couple years ago. Yeah, it was just yeah like two years ago. Yeah. Vinny Testaverde, the man who ran Co- Kozar out of town. That was a great. That was just a great. That was a great, great moment in history of the Browns. I laughed. <laughs> it's like, good. Bernie Kozar stinks. He ran him out of town twice. He said, Kozar, get out of here. He ran him out of town, and then he ran the team out of town. Well, he... He also is mad at Bernie Kozar because he played for the U. They both played for the U. Yes. yes they did. Now Bernie Kozar sounds like a f***ing idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
Johnny, hey, if you, you, if you, you the, the integrity of this yeah, podcast. The clean tag is gone. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to leave those in, and I'm just going to beep them out. We just we can't deal with this type of. I mean, now Bob is going to have to spend an extra thirty seconds inserting a beep when he's doing our post production work here, and uh, we just can't deal with that type of unprofessional activity. So he's waiting to say something. Why? <laughs> Just because I said that Bernie Kosar is a f***ing idiot? <laughs> exactly. So, with with on that note, do you have anything that you would like to say to the listeners before we kick your ass out of here? Yeah, all four of them. Thanks for <laughs> listening, guys. <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I think I am going to have to uh, beep those kidding. out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all my friends out there that listened. And uh, showed su- support by listening every week. We do appreciate it. Keep listening. We got a good guy coming in that's coming to co host. Uh, probably better than me because I just come in here and. Comes in your stone half the time. I don't do drugs. <laughs> Maybe a little bug. He just from stone tired from working all day. From drinking beer. Because that's all I do. I'm a man. I f-ing drink beer. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 28. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll, we'll be joined next week in the studio by Bob from Akron. We are going to have to come up with something because we can't be calling him Bob from Akron every time. You can call him BFA. That's Bob from Akron. That is Bob from Akron. Or you can call him Bifa. And he's actually from Beloit, so maybe we should call him the BFB. Bob from Beloit. We'll just call him Beloit. You can, you can call him Beloit Bob. Beloit Bob. You can call him Baby Beluga. This is a lot of bees. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna hate me before we even start. You can call me Dead Bob and call him Nice Bob. I don't know. No, Bob from uh, Bob from Akron actually uh, has. He's been a added friend of a the, lot. He's been, been a friend, friend of the podcast exactly for, for several for several. Well, since uh, week one, uh, giving us some some good feedback, and we look forward to him joining the team. So, Bob, if you're listening. Dreams do come true. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably more of a nightmare. And on that note, I think we should uh, we should kiss this podcast goodbye. Wrap. We're going to wrap it up. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We didn't have any closing arguments this week, but we did talk for a hell of a long time. <laughs> if you liked it or you didn't like it, send us a direct tweet to twitter.com slash sportsonpoint. You can always send suggestions on how we can improve the show, like getting rid of John, to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. Thanks for listening, guys. Screw you, America. (laughs) Good riddance, John. I'm surprised you didn't mention anything about the Jerry Lewis telethon. (laughs) Jerry Lewis. That guy's a f***ing idiot. Jeez. Wow.